Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppy. I am pleased to be joined by Matt Zimmer this week. Matt covers South Dakota State for the Sioux Falls Argus Leader. Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So for the average Iowa fan who probably hasn't been keeping up on South Dakota State football, what should they expect when the Jackrabbits come to town on Saturday? Um, probably a good game, probably a competitive game. Um, they'll get a team that, uh, has been in this situation before. Um, I don't think they'll be intimidated. You know, I don't think they will need a big adjustment period for the bright lights, so to speak of the big stadium. Um, like I said, they've been here before they, uh, defeated Colorado state last year, um, pretty handily. Um, a couple of years prior to that, they played the Minnesota team that ended up winning 11 games and uh, had a lead in the fourth quarter, ended up losing, I think by a touchdown. Uh, most of the time when they're in these games where they're playing up, uh, they play well, they don't win very often, uh, but they usually play pretty well. And that's kind of what I'm anticipating here. I'd be surprised if the Jackrabbits won the game, um, but I would also be surprised if they weren't competitive. They're a good football team. They have national championship aspirations at their level. And I think we've seen over the years that the FCS 1AA teams that are at the top that can compete for the championships usually fare fairly well uh, against FBS teams. And then it seems like they have a really interesting storyline at quarterback with Mark Karnowski. Yeah, he was, I mean, for readers of yours that don't know, the Jacks played two seasons in the calendar year of 2021. Uh, the FCS decided during the pandemic to push their season to the spring. So they didn't play in 2020, had a spring season in 2021, and then came back three months later and played the regular 2021 season. Mark Gronowski was the quarterback for South Dakota State in that spring season as a true freshman and took them to the national championship game, was the conference player of the year, just really a breakout sort of superstar. And then on the fourth play of the game in the national championship, he tore his ACL. SDSU ended up losing that game. They probably wouldn't have if Gronowski hadn't got hurt because they still lost on the final play of the game, as it turned out. Uh, but because the, the next season had such a short turnaround, he was not unable to play for that entire fall season. So SDSU needed a quarterback. They went out and got a grad transfer named Chris Oladokun, just sort of a one-year stopgap. He turned out to be great, uh, was um, you know, through 30 touchdowns, 3,000 yards, got drafted by the Steelers. So now he's in the NFL. And so now Gronowski is back. He's healthy. And it's just this really kind of funny situation in that when Chris came in last year, there was all this talk about, oh, he's got these incredibly big shoes to fill. Well, then he did so well. And now Mark's coming off an injury. Then now everyone's saying, oh my gosh, Mark has these big shoes to fill, you know? So the shoe is literally on the other foot, you might say. And, um, it's it's interesting because I mean Jack's fans are very excited. They remember what Mark did. He took them to the national championship game in the spring. Having said that, that spring season was a little goofy. You know, they only played eight games. There were a lot of cancellations and postponements during that season. Some of the teams didn't even participate. Um, I'm not trying to suggest that it was a fluke or anything, um, but we don't know necessarily what it's going to be like coming back into a full 12 game season with everyone playing. Um, and also he's coming off a major injury and he was, when he was the starter in that spring season, 
Uh, Gronowski was very much a run first quarterback, uh, partly because he was a true freshman that still was, you know, kind of learning the offense and everything. And it was very easy for the coaches to just kind of turn him loose and say, go make plays, you know, and don't have to worry so much about reading defenses and stuff like that. Now with another year to watch and to learn, um, they think he's going to be a, a savvier player, have a better grasp of the offense. He is a pretty good passer. Um, even though he, I would have characterized him as a run first quarterback, he threw pretty well and they think he's going to be even better this year. And in part because their receiving core has gotten much, much better in the interim while he was out that freshman season of his, they were replacing their number one receiver. Their tight ends were still pretty young. Well, just in the space of a year now, uh, both of their top wide receivers have emerged as possibly NFL prospects. Uh, their third wide receiver is a transfer from Oklahoma State uh, who has a chance to really you know, contribute. And they have two tight ends who might both get drafted in the spring. So you take this guy who is an average passer, however you want to say it, when he didn't have as many weapons, now he's coming back and he's got all these uh, targets to throw to all of a sudden. So it's very intriguing to me to see how different of a quarterback he's going to be, uh, but also how it impacts the play calling because they're a little more balanced than they were. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, they try to go for a closer to a 50, 50 split, or they still, they have a very good running back in Isaiah Davis. We'll kind of see how that plays out. Historically, it seems like they were really a team that has enjoyed running the ball. Yeah, I mean, you go back to sort of the start of this run that they're on. They've made the playoffs 10 years in a row. Uh, it really started with Zach Zenner. I don't know if that's a familiar name to, to you or some of your folks there. He uh, had three 2,000-yard seasons at SDSU and then had a brief career with the Detroit Lions. Um, when he was there, obviously, it was they were very much sort of a ground-and-pound sort of team, having that sort of bell cow running back. But then when he graduated – um, they kind of flipped the switch overnight and became an air attack team because they had a great receiver and a great tight end and a great quarterback. And they did that for a few years. And then the last couple of years, they've had Pierre strong was their uh, star running back. He was drafted by the Patriots this past spring. Uh, when he was there, they were able to, to, yeah, kind of move back to being more of a, a run first team. And uh, Isaiah Davis, who I mentioned a second ago, he's just a, a, a third year guy now, which, you know, I don't know what that means nowadays, sophomore, freshman, you know, with the COVID thing, we got these, you know, sixth year juniors or whatever, but um, they had two outstanding running backs for a while. So they were obviously able to, to use that. Pierre has moved on. Isaiah is still there. That's another thing that'll be interesting to keep track of is, are they going to let Isaiah Davis be that guy who carries the ball 25 times a game or because it's kind of just him, are they going to protect him a little more, try to throw the ball more, you know, not, not uh, dig him up too much. So we'll see how that plays out. And then what should people expect from this defense? Um, it's a very basic defense. They are not an exotic defense. They are a four, three stay at home, uh, stay in their base. Everyone do their job defense. Um, at times they haven't blitzed at all. At times they've blitzed a little more, a little bit depending on their personnel. Um, they, their biggest strength, I think, is their depth on the defensive line. Uh, they graduated three or four pretty good defensive linemen after last year, and they're still going to be really deep. Last year, they played like 10 guys. I mean, wow. it was almost kind of silly how many they played, but it worked because I think of those 10 guys, none of them were necessarily elite, but all 10 of them were pretty good. 
And when you're playing that many of them and the opposing offensive line is pretty much the same five guys the whole game, you know, by the second half, that tends to work to your advantage. And that really was something they liked and felt like worked well. And I think they want to do that again this year. We'll see if they can go quite that deep or maybe have to tighten the rotation a little bit, especially in a game like this, you know, when they're maybe a little bit overmatched, they might have to stick with their best, very best guys a little bit more. Um, Probably the best player on their defense is Adam Bach, a middle linebacker from Iowa. Um, I know he's a familiar name to some people over there, and um, he's looking forward to this game, as you might imagine, getting a chance to uh, play in front of the Kinnick Stadium fans. And and I think, you know, I ask the Jacks played Iowa State a couple of years ago, too, and, and I ask the Iowa guys always, you know, are you do you want to show them, you know, that you should have recruited me, that kind of thing. And they downplay that, but I, I think there's something to it. You know, I mean, he's an all-American player at the FCS level, and it's not like I was hurting for linebackers right now, so I don't think <laughs> they necessarily, you know, feel like they made a mistake there, but I'm sure if Adam Bach comes out and has two sacks and an interception and 12 tackles on Saturday, he's going to feel pretty good about it. So that's something that will always play into it. And uh, just to finish up on their defense, uh, they have some questions in the secondary. Their top cornerback moved on. He's in the NFL now. Um uh, one of their top safeties graduated to they're a little inexperienced there. And uh, that could be interesting to see if, if Iowa, um, I know they're, you know, trying to get their passing game going a little bit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they pick on those guys early, uh, try and get some big plays going there because they have been susceptible to it. That'll be a really interesting matchup then because Iowa's wide receivers are very young and with Nico Reganis, the one veteran wide receiver for Iowa, and he's not on the two deeps. So it could be an interesting battle there between the South Dakota State secondary and the Iowa wide receivers. And I think they'll uh, be looking forward to going against Keegan Johnson. I'm sure a couple <laughs> of those guys uh, know Keegan because, as you probably know, his older brother Cade played at South Dakota State. He's with the Seahawks now. Um, that'll be interesting, too. There's obviously a lot of connections. Uh, you know, Seth Benson, the linebacker, is from Sioux Falls. Uh, one of South Dakota State's top tight ends, Zach Hines, was his teammate in high school. Um, Zach's probably going to be blocking Seth during the game, you know, so there's going to be a, that obviously adds a little intrigue to it. There's some connections between these schools, obviously. And you were mentioning Bach. It's only like a 15 mile drive from his high school to Kinnick. So that's really a homecoming there. And it seems like this has been a state that South Dakota state staff has really recruited heavily. Yep. Uh, a lot of kids in Northwest Iowa, just across the border, they've had a ton of success with them, but yeah, they've been willing to mine the whole state. And for obvious reasons, you know, I think the Jacks, you could argue that, I mean, they've done a great job in their home state of South Dakota. The best players in South Dakota generally go to South Dakota state and that's helped them. But I think they've done a really good job of recognizing that, okay, we've got three major FBS universities right around us, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. And there's going to be a ton of players in those three states that really, really want to play for the Hawkeyes and the Gophers and the Huskers, but just might not quite be good enough to get that scholarship offer. Those are the guys that they want to swoop in and and make them make that decision. Do you want to walk on at Iowa or take a scholarship at South Dakota State? Do you want to walk on at Nebraska or get a full ride at South Dakota State? They've had a ton of success with those guys. Excuse me. It's worked out well for them too. A lot of those guys who would have, and maybe they would have had success at, at one of those bigger schools and eventually earned a scholarship, worked their way up. But there have been a lot of guys that are, are in the NFL now 
that didn't get that FBS offer came to South Dakota State and worked their way to where they are today. Do you have a score prediction yet? Um, me and a friend were talking about this on a different podcast the other day. I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of like 31-20, something like that, in favor of Iowa. Usually That's- in these games – they're close for two and a half, three quarters, and usually the depth and the strength and just the, you know, those extra 20 scholarships, it's around the fourth quarter that they tend to to, to make an impact. So, like I said, I won't be surprised. Well, I'll be a little surprised if SDSU wins, but certainly not shocked. And uh, I, I would also be surprised if it was a blowout. You know, I, I think the Jacks will at least be competitive. That's almost identical to my score prediction. I've seen 28-17, so just adjust that by a field goal. Somewhere around two scores, I think, is probably what we're most – I haven't seen a line yet. Have you? I have not either. I was looking no. at that beforehand, and I was thinking, huh, this is a little strange that they haven't gotten any of the lines yet. But We're guessing between 12 and 15 probably, but yeah, I guess we'll see. And Iowa has a tendency as – our listeners know very well to play games closer than they probably should because they're not going to run up the score. I think everyone thinks of the Northwestern game that was 17, 12 against a very bad Northwestern team is perfect example. So we'll see what happens. Matt, thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode of the Hawk off the press podcast. I'll be back with another episode next week. It'll be Cyhawk week. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.